When it comes to fantasy, it's a spectrum that includes even the most perfect strangers, celebrities, and spies. They're both untouchable but envied, dangerous but successful, flawed but heroes. They travel the globe, taking on different identities and save the world. Where the fantasy breaks, though, is that it's not a crime to be famous, but espionage breaks all sorts of international laws. So what happens when these two fantasy worlds collide? When some of the world's greatest countries and leaders are blinded by celebrities who do more than entertain? Hey all you weirdos, welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the Parcast Research Gods. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 celebrity spies. You know, weirdly, I have never like really had that much of a taste for spy movies and spy books like any it just never really piqued my interest but I'm gonna say after reading my half of this list I might have a change of heart I was never into it before no I get that it's not weird that you weren't because I really wasn't super into it okay I'm glad because I thought it was really weird for that (laughs) no you're not but I found my part of the list not only interesting but like surprising I was like oh that that person that famous celeb there's a couple of people that you're like what? Excuse me? <laughs> what now? Yeah. I think the fun element here and the thing that makes you be like, what? Is that these are all very well-known people. And I always think of spies as being like under the radar. Yeah. That's why they're spies. But these cases are almost like hiding in plain sight. But weirdly, I think it like makes sense in a strange way to pick people like that. No, when you think about it, it does. Because it makes sense to put a celeb in that position of being a spy because mm-hmm. no one would really expect it. No, because like, they're just a celebrity. George Clooney is just George Clooney. <laughs> but then we're like, no, he's a spy. Now I'm like, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. We don't know. And you know what? At least they were flying under the radar until now where we're totally going to blow up their spots. Yeah. Did you hear that, Mr. Clooney? No, totally kidding. (laughs) But Elena has five formerly undercover characters and so do I. But neither of us knows which top secret fella is on the other one's list. Let's start the countdown. Ten. I'll start us off with number 10, professional baseball player Mo Berg. Mo Berg played 15 seasons as a catcher for a variety of different baseball teams. Turns out, he was also very smart, but also very ambiguous. Mix that with his work for the CIA, and you get a lot of intrigue. Yes, hi, hello, it's me. I'm intrigued. Hello, it's me, intrigue. (laughs) Knock, knock. (laughs) At your door. (laughs) So he had quite an education. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying like baseball player. I'm like, for a baseball player, he had a brain. (laughs) Like, no. But he just had a real interesting one. So Moberg studied foreign languages at Princeton and Sorbonne, as well as law at Columbia, which is why it's it's part of the reason why the CIA recruited him in 1944 for strategic purposes. They were like, yeah, you, you look great on paper. Yeah. And on a field. Look at that big brain. Hello. And also those big muscles, I bet. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen Mo Berg, so I'm not sure. <laughs> he probably had broad shoulders. I bet. You got it to swing a bat, you know? And catch. 
Well, in baseball, he was never meant to be a catcher. Apparently his shoulders were not <laughs> Apparently not. spoke too soon. After some players were injured, he volunteered. So he's a team. He's also a team player. Look at this guy. So he volunteered and then he became catcher for the White Sox. Look at that. This guy's life is like crazy. It's very well-rounded. Now, according to George F. Will from the Washington Post, catchers in baseball are technically being spied on when they're signaling the pitcher. So they get used to being secretive. That's which true. Which makes sense. Yeah, right? I remember that. Everybody's trying to find out what they're doing under that little glove. Right. What kind of what kind of pitch is he going to throw next? What, what you doing? Is this a changeup? I don't know. Is it a knuckleball? You know more. What is it is a fastball? That's the only one I know. <laughs> is it a fastball? Is he going to throw it at all? <laughs> no. Uh, so game's over. <laughs> during his baseball career, Berg made trips to Japan with players like, oh, uh, Babe Ruth Ooh. and Lou Gehrig some of the classics. Ever heard of him? Yes. It was strange since he was a terrible hitter and rarely used as a catcher on these trips. Oh my god, he sounds like me playing softball. <laughs> and you were a spy, so there's that. Yeah. It never ends, the I, comparison. We're not supposed to talk about it. Well, many wonder if this could be a connection to his spy-related activities, because why else was he there? Right. If he's not a good hitter. Right. You know? Why are they keeping him? He also had a habit of making blunders. He was spotted wearing his OSS-issued watch, dropping a gun into a passenger's lap. That's hilarious. And was caught attempting to infiltrate an aircraft factory during training. Not a good baseball player, not a good spy. So, like, James Bond, he is not, but, like, good for you, Mo. You know what it was? He was book smart. Yeah, Mo has it. Yeah, I'm with Mo. Same. At number nine is author Roald Dahl. Dahl is most famous for writing the novel Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He's probably lesser known for his career as a spy, where he schmoozed with presidents as part of a British spy ring in the United States. What? Yeah, but you didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't. Roald Dahl served as a fighter pilot in Britain's Royal Air Force during World War II. His plane actually crashed, though, and caused head injuries, resulting in headaches and blackouts. Wow. Imagine if you just, like, suffered blackouts the rest of your life. No. Like, freshman year all I over don't, again. I don't want to do <laughs> <laughs> But writing is what helped soothe his pain. I feel like that's what you would do. I love that for yeah. him. In 1942, after the crash, he was reassigned to a diplomatic post at the British Embassy in Washington, D.C. Official records note that he had little contact with intelligence forces until after he arrived in Washington. Once there, though, he was a smooth talker. Look at Rold. A smooth writer and a smooth talker. Look at him do it. Perhaps also a smooth criminal. Perhaps. In 1943, he spent time with President Franklin Roosevelt. I don't know if you've heard of him. No, I haven't. Yeah, well, Roll spent time at his home <laughs> and submitted a report about him. Jeez. He then kept his ear to the ground about any anti-British sentiment that may be had in the American government. I had no idea. I know, like, well known for more than just Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and the Witches. I'm saying. Eight. Number eight on our countdown of celebrity spies is legendary actress Marlena Dietrich. Ooh. Dietrich famously went from being in vaudeville skits in Berlin to an Oscar-nominated actress for the 1931 film Morocco. She also allegedly just happened to be a spy for the United States, Mainly to get the FBI to just leave her alone, but also to stick it to Hitler. I'm obsessed already. <laughs> Let's it. get into it. 
So Dietrich was German and Hitler loved her. Imagine if Hitler loved you. Well, and she hated Hitler. Good. So she left Germany and became a U.S. citizen. She and she said on British radio, quote, Hitler is an idiot. (laughs) To say the least, sister. I'm saying. But J. Edgar Hoover did not trust her, which it's like, okay. Well, maybe for good reason. Just being careful. And from 1942 to 1944, she was under an FBI formal investigation. Now, this is where it gets funny. To end their suspicions, she became a spy for the U.S. (laughs) So she was like, I'm really going to lay it down in lavender here that I am not for this. So I will spy for you. I'm not for this, but I'll be for it. So she became a spy for the U.S. in February 1944. And according to The Guardian, was, quote, collecting observations about subversive activities in Europe while on trips to entertain the troops. Wow. Like, what? That's a lot on your shoulders. She also worked with U.S. Strategic Operations, which was a predecessor of the CIA, to record anti-Nazi albums to counter Nazi propaganda. And it worked. I'm like literally obsessed with her. Turns out the song Lil Marlena was a hit among Nazi troops and softened their beliefs in Nazi efforts. It's also said to have been more effective than an air raid on German soil. Wow. Marlena Dietrich. Your voice is more, is like, like more powerful than an air raid. Unbelievable. That is like the compliment of the century. Yeah. At number seven this week is Josephine Baker. Baker was an American-born French dancer and singer who became wildly popular in France during the 1920s. A large part of her life was spent fighting racism in the U.S. and fighting for desegregation. And as if activism was not enough, she was also a spy for the French resistance during World War II. Oh, okay. Just a little bit of work going on for her. Okay, Josephine. Right? All right. Well, she joined the resistance when Hitler and the German army invaded France. A sought-after star, she was invited to embassy parties where she would eavesdrop and flirt to gather information. Amazing. Including German troop locations. Josephine. She's like, you like my dress? Tell me where those Germans are. (laughs) Josephine. Another fellow secret agent posed as her assistant, and she would record the information using invisible ink on Baker's sheet music. I'm obsessed with this. Obsessed. Now, in 1941, Baker and her entourage traveled to French colonies in North Africa. They said it was for her health, but really she was there to establish a transmission center with British intelligence in Casablanca. Oh, okay. You know, just, you know. What? Just a weekend getaway. Yeah. And she did this all while still fighting segregation and racism, entertaining French, British, and American troops during the war for no payment in the hopes that they would stop hating people of color. Josephine! Like... Wow. Wow. Why do we not have like superheroes modeled after her? Also imagine her like planner, like if she had a planner. My goodness. Packed. Jam packed. I love this. Post-it notes everywhere. Six. Also on our list at number six is Mob Boss, Lucky Luciano. Stop. (laughs) I knew you'd be excited. After the attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941, the U.S. was looking to get into the war, but the country had a problem. 
someone was leaking information to the enemies from the U.S., and that rat was among the dock workers in New York. But those docks were run by the mob, so they turned to Lucky. No one would have expected the U.S. Navy to work with a mob boss, especially one that was in prison at the time. I would think that was very unprecedented. Yeah, you know, this is very much flying under the radar. Uh, That became the idea, though. Spy versus spy. They made a deal with Lucky Luciano to run his gang on the docks and get them to help sniff out the traitors. I am obsessed. Right? Love it. So Operation Underworld was in motion. Good band name. What a good band name. We are Operation Underworld. Underworld. Thank you, Boston. (laughs) All right. So yeah, Operation Underworld was in motion. But secretly, of course, word could not get out, especially to other mob bosses about Lucky's involvement. Can you imagine? Nope. No. But Lucky was, like, pretty tough, so I feel like he, he could have gotten through it. Nobody's that tough. Yeah, when other mob bosses find out you're working with the government, no one's that tough. Don't underestimate Lucky. I'm underestimating <laughs> <laughs> Lucky was transferred to a different prison, while Project Underworld was actually run from Astoria Hotel's posh suites in Times Square. Love that. So they're like, we're going to sit in this posh suite in Times Square. We're going we're gonna to move you to another prison. Yeah, right? Yeah. Lucky was successful. It's been reported that, quote, the mafia had managed to do for the Navy in just a couple days what they'd been trying to do for seven months. I believe that. Lucky did even more for the government right after with Operation Husky. Not as great a band name. No, I don't like it. He helped lead officials to information, quote, of military value that aided in the invasion of Sicily. Wow, I didn't know any of this. I had no idea. He also, like, might have murdered Thelma Todd, but I don't really know. Who knows? Busy guy. (laughs) He was real busy. Okay, I'm so jealous that you got lucky because I think everybody that listens to Morbid knows that I'm obsessed with Lucky Luciano. You love Lucky Luciano, but I had no idea all that was part of his story. Neither did I. And then Marlena Dietrich, I had no idea how cool I like I had heard a little bit about that but going into it I was like oh yeah oh so so far she's my favorite but I think you're gonna be pretty excited for my ultimate favorite on the list which is number five oh I'm excited okay the internet what would we do without it so much information so little time and yet with all the answers available online there still lie scores of deep dark spooky secrets mysteries yet to be solved until now. This isn't clickbait. This is our exclusive new podcast, Internet Urban Legends. I'm Loie, your evidence expert. And I'm Eleanor, the self-proclaimed skeptic. Together, we're the gruesome twosome, sleuths in search of the weirdest stories on the web. Every Tuesday, we investigate the internet's creepiest conundrums, covering each conspiracy theory and combing through every clue to separate hoax from haunt. Whether it's the video sure to make you lose your appetite, blank room soup, or every kid's worst nightmare, the terrifying truth behind Disney's deaths, or every parent's worst nightmare, social media's Momo challenge. Each episode of Internet Urban Legends is chock full of disturbing details which are either truly demented or ripe for debunking. And no matter our conclusion, we're sure to be left scared half to death. So won't you join us? Follow our new Spotify original from Parcast, Internet Urban Legends. Listen free and exclusively on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 
They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of celebrity spies. Starting off the second half of our list is famed chef Julia Child. What? Yes, Julia Child is most recognized for bringing French cuisine to the American public. In addition to being a cooking teacher, television personality, and author, she also worked for the OSS, the largest spy network under Franklin D. Roosevelt. Julia. Like, what? I love this. I had heard like bits and pieces of this, but I'm excited to hear like the meat. Oh yeah, I had no idea what like a badass she was because Julia tried to join the Navy actually, but she was six foot two, so she was too tall to join. Aw, I know, sad. So she found another way to serve her country. She began as a typist at the Office of Strategic Services, the precursor to the CIA, as we've mentioned in the other numbers. But her boss felt that she was too qualified, (laughs) and they felt that she deserved a position with more responsibility. I I love that she's, like, just too good in every way. Right? You're too tall. You're too much like a beautiful gazelle. Right? So you can't join. You're too amazing, Julia. Let's find something great for you to do. So her new role was as a top-secret researcher. Yeah. I want to be that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) She worked to reduce the threat of U-boats, the deadly Nazi U-submarines, And she also created a recipe for shark repellent for the OSS when sharks would mistake naval explosives as food and would set them off. She was like, don't worry, I got this. I know what the sharks don't like to eat. I'm dead. Right? The repellent was also used for space equipment that landed in the ocean. Yes. Right? That's so cool. She's so cool. I didn't know that. And then she met her future husband, Paul Child, when they were both assigned to Sri Lanka. Julia was there for her spy duties, and Paul was there for map making. Love that love connection. What a good love story. What a good story. cute. When they moved to France, she filled her time while Paul was at the embassy by going to Le Cordon Bleu, the Ooh. famous cooking school. So famous. I tried to say that with a French accent, but I'm like really American. He killed it. Yeah. <laughs> she received the emblem for meritorious civilian service for her work at her final posting in regards to OSS in China. No big deal. Just like a very casual life. And she's also Julia Child. I know. And she has on like one of, of the that. sweetest voices she I've does. ever heard on the television. I love it. I love it so much. Obsessed with her. Four. Landing at number four this week is... English composer and playwright Sir Noel Coward. Coward was known for classics, including the play Brief Encounter and the song Mad Dogs and Englishmen. He won an Oscar and a Tony Award, but also, no surprise since he's on this list, the artist was also a war spy. I feel like the last name Coward doesn't really make for like a good war spy. I feel like it makes a great war spy name because no one's going to suspect you're a spy. Okay, good point. Good point. You're Noel Coward. (laughs) Of course not. It's almost like he's no coward. No coward. Uh Noel. As a Brit, Coward was sent to the U.S. before the war to gauge local sentiment, which I love that it's kind of like spy like meets gossip girl. Obsessed. (laughs) We need to see how everything's flying over. Yeah. 
you, XOXO. Yeah, XOXO Noel. <laughs> <laughs> he was charged with using his celebrity to influence opinions to favor helping Britain. Coward was apparently asked to keep up his usual public persona at all times, so no one suspected because, you know, spy. Duh. Even friends and family, which must have been really weird. Imagine not being able to tell your family that you're a spy. I would be so excited. That's a, that's like method acting of the highest. Like you can, you're always in character. You have to stay in character no matter what. Yeah, I would have to tell you if That'd I was be a hard. spy. I feel like yeah, we'll never be spies. No. Winston Churchill is said to have assembled special covert operations at St. Ermin's Hotel. That hotel is where Coward would be seen in the bar, also doing spy stuff. Can't talk right now, I'm doing spy stuff. <laughs> I'm at the bar doing spy stuff. Most likely giving eyes-only reports on influential people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Churchill is also the one that curtailed Coward's spy career early, saying he'd be better off pursuing theater more than strategic forces, which is like, what a bummer. Yeah, that's kind of rude. He's like, you know what? I think you should just keep doing theater stuff. <laughs> and I feel like he, and he's like, I kind of am. Winston Churchill knows best. I know, he really does. He learned a lot from technical people and went on to say he could have made a full career in espionage if his life wasn't already full of intrigue. <laughs> it's like, yeah, my life is really interesting. I love that he's like, the theater. I at just all love times. it. <laughs> Three. Number three on our countdown of celebrity spies is English novelist Graham Greene. Greene wasn't the first person in his family to get into the spy business, but he is the first one on this list to let the spy business influence his work that made him famous. I didn't know this one. Nor did I. Graham Greene. But let's get it. Now, spying, like I said, was in Greene's family. His uncle had been instrumental in setting up the Naval Intelligence Department. His oldest brother was also a spy who provided intelligence to the Japanese in the 1930s. Oh, okay. Green's sister worked with spies at MI6 before marrying one. Amazing. And her husband would serve as a script advisor for the James Bond film on Her Majesty's Secret Service. I love this family. I know. Isn't that super cool, too? Like, oh, wow. You were a spy and then you work on like a James Bond movie. Yeah, because you're like, I know this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell all the ins and outs. Wow, what a family biz. Right? In 1924, Grimm was an Oxford undergrad and volunteered to be a spy for nationalist German underground factions, mainly for the free travel. That's phenomenal. He's like, I don't have a lot of air points, so <laughs> yeah. let me just do this. That's incredible. He's like, I'd like to go places. It's like the extra flying so miles. So sure, right? I'll spy. During his training course for intelligent corps officers, the instructor actually gave up on teaching him. <laughs> Green was more an intellectual than a physical spy. I love that for him. That would be me. I'd be like, <laughs> I can do like the intellectual work, maybe, perhaps. Like, That'd be me. But definitely not the physical work. <laughs> During World War II, Green worked with MI6 and his supervisor was a man named Kim Philby. Philby ended up defecting to the Soviet Union years later, which made things really complicated for Green. He's the one person on this list whose experience in espionage, the travels, the people he met, the locations, all inspired his novels. Being a spy helped lead him to being a celebrity. I love that for him. Yeah, he, he I liked him a lot. I felt like I connected with him. He went on vacations and he wrote books. And I love his it. family was really cool. Good for him. Yeah.
I want to know who the top one is. I know, but I'd like to know who the second one is. These ones are blowing my mind. Who's been your favorite so far? It's a hard one. I mean, Graham Greene was kind of fun, just because I had no idea. Yeah. But I'm loving Marlena, and I'm loving Julia Child. Two favorites, hands down. They're hand in hand, I think. They are. And they really killed it. I wonder if they would have been friends. I feel like they would have. I do, too. They're both sassy Uh and great. Yeah. All right, let's see who's next. Okay. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of celebrity spies. At number two is actor Christopher Lee. Outside of portraying a renowned villain in the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit trilogies, Christopher Lee saw his fair share of espionage as part of the British Special Forces whose operations remain classified. He wanted to join the Royal Air Force, as we all do. Same. (laughs) But because of a problem with his optic nerve, he became an intelligence officer. Ooh, that sounds not fun. That sounds niche. The optic nerve part. Yeah. He became a member of the Long Range Desert Group, which morphed into the Special Forces Unit of the British Army. And he moved to Winston Churchill's even more Special Operations Executive. So he's just blowing up that ladder. Right? The SOE was unofficially called the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Ungentlemanly Warfare. Another great band name. I was just going to say. Like, shorten it, just Ungentlemanly Warfare. Yeah. Yeah. Ungentlemanly Warfare. He corrected director Peter Jackson on the sound a person makes when being stabbed because he'd seen stabbings during his time in the force. He's like, that's actually incredibly inaccurate. Yes. It's a little more like this. Can you imagine just pulling the director aside and being like, just so you know. So, like, I've seen this happen. Can I just make the sound for you real quick? Because right? this doesn't sound like it. The director is probably like, okay. Peter Jackson was probably like, rad. Okay. Yes, rad. <laughs> Tell me. Thanks for that. Absolutely. When the war ended, Lee was actually persuaded into going into acting by his cousin, who was then the Italian ambassador to Britain. What? <laughs> he was probably like, maybe let's just pretend now. <laughs> <laughs> you've had a good run around you've, things. You've really gone for it, but maybe, you know, the theater, theater is what's is next. calling. Let's not actually do it anymore. Many directors started to notice his menacing voice and the passion with which he portrayed all kinds of characters because he has the experience. Seriously. Under to say the least. Christopher Lee. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 celebrity spies, Harry Houdini. That makes sense. Houdini's (laughs) incredible career as a magician is defined by his death-defying stunts, but the details of his stunts were kept secret. Turns out, possibly not the only secret he was keeping. I love this. I'm in. Right? I didn't know this. I'm in with both feet. All right, here we go. A man named William Melville, a British spymaster, kept a journal. When this journal was found, Houdini's name was mentioned. And Melville states that he helped Houdini launch his European career by getting him in front of a London theater owner. The theater. The theater is all over the place. It is. Now, part of his deal for doing that was a quid pro quo in which Houdini worked as a spy. So so I'll get you in front of this theater, but you got to be a spy. You're going to have to pay up with your spy services. 
theory is that Houdini used his career as a cover-up to collect information for secret service agencies in the US and Britain. And he worked as a spy for Scotland Yard, monitoring Russian anarchists and chasing counterfeiters for the Secret Service. Wow. Right? Look at him go. Like, what? In and between just, like, insane stuff. I was going to say, and he could get out of a straitjacket that he was chained into. A very talented man. <laughs> Look at that. You know, maybe chasing counterfeiters is what actually led him to constantly questioning the spiritualist movement. Perhaps. That group believed they could contact the dead, and Houdini called them frauds. Whoa. Yeah. He really called them out. He really did. <laughs> In his journal, Melville mentions that it's possible Houdini was actually murdered, Ooh. suggesting relentless criticism of the spiritualist movement led to his untimely death. Ooh, right? Intrigue. He was punched in the stomach twice, and it debated whether it was foul play or a premeditated act. Ooh. I know. I didn't know Houdini was, like, that interesting. Yeah, I didn't either. But he is. Look at that. Boom. I would say that makes sense that he's number one because 100%. I had hundred percent absolutely no idea. Neither did I. And it clearly makes, a good spy. I mean, Harry Houdini being a spy, you're like, yeah, I love it. That makes so much sense, but I never would have thought of it. It's exactly what I came for, and I didn't even know it. That's crazy. And I'd love to give like a you forgot this person, but I had no idea that any of these people were spies. So <laughs> maybe this will be like the catalyst to us really getting into spy yeah, work. I'm into it. Thank yeah. you, Parcast Research Gods. Yes. This was a cool one. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. Spotify has all your favorite music and podcasts all in one place. They're making it easier to listen to whatever you want to hear for free on your phone, computer, or smart speaker. And if you can't get enough of these creepy crimes, check out our After Crime Countdown podcast playlist on Spotify, where we've handpicked even more episodes about this week's stories that we think you'll enjoy. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, then you can follow our other podcast, Morbid. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts, or you can follow us on Instagram at Morbid Podcast or on Twitter at A Morbid Podcast. Keep it weird till next Monday, but not so weird that anybody finds out you're a spy. We'll catch you. Bye. Crime Countdown is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Anthony Valsic. Fact-checking by Cara Mackerlein. Research by Ambika Chotera, J.K. Heo, and Mickey Taylor. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Jonathan Ratliff. Production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart.